0: Well, once again, let's open our copy of God's Word. Uh, Open again to Mark chapter 10, and uh, notice that we are making some progress. We've been in chapter 9 for quite some time, but we are making some progress and uh, uh, moving through the gospel of Mark. And, uh, you you know, Mark is a fast-paced Uh, book account of Jesus life and ministry on the earth very uh, he he moves quickly one of his favorite words that he uses is immediately and and you know we've talked about that and he he just moves very quickly through this uh, uh, material and we're just six chapters or five chapters six chapters away from the uh, uh, end of the book you know so uh, this is a, uh, a very fast-paced thing, and Mark is getting us as quickly as possible to the cross. And uh, so soon we'll be talking uh, more about the cross of Jesus, as we've already done. And uh, uh, so while we're open to Mark chapter 10, if you would just keep your finger there and open uh your bible to matthew chapter 19 and while you're finding chapter 19 i'll read you something else from matthew that uh, goes along with what we're talking about here matthew chapter 5 and uh Verse 27 down through verse 32. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, That whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, Hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, And cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee, that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. We talked about this last week, didn't we? And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. It hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication. And fornication, of course, is a, uh, a kind of a catch-all term for all sexual impurity and all sexual in uncleanness. So, uh, uh, so shall put away... If, but I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication or sexual impurity, shall cause her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Then uh, our passage in Matthew eighteen or 19, beginning in verse number 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Notice that uh, Phrase that Matthew includes there, and it's going uh, to, I'll share something with you about that very shortly. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. They said unto him, Why did Moses then command us to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. That was never God's original design for marriage. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, Here's the word again. And shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. His wife said, or his disciples say unto him, If if the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which were born were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there are there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, once again, I ask for your guidance, for your, uh, for your anointing, enabling. I need your enabling to rightly divide the word of truth. And I pray that you would open each of our hearts to receive truth. Lord, we know that the standard that you set is way too high for us. And we always find ourselves coming far, far short of that high standard. But we are so thankful, Lord, that you are a merciful God. And that you do have mercy on your people. And so we pray that as we look at this passage of Scripture, we'd not try to explain it away, not try to hide our faces from it, but that we would receive it. And if it convicts us, may we just run to Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Well, this thing of, uh, and the message this morning is uh, on divorce and remarriage. And we want to think biblically about divorce, about marriage and divorce and remarriage. And that's, uh, remarriage is not in the title, but it's in the Context of what we've been reading. And and, uh, I think we need to deal with things like this because this is a major issue in today's society. And uh, there are many different uh, uh, sides to it, there are many different facets to this marriage relationship and many different opinions, many different preachers preaching different ideas and different views of marriage. But it's like Jesus did when the Pharisees came to him and asked him if it was lawful to put away their wives. He said, what did Moses command? In other words, go to the Scripture. It doesn't really matter what anyone else's opinion is. What matters is what God's word says, right? Mm -hmm. We want to to hear from God. We want to believe God's word. Our society today uh, just sets the word of God aside and they have their own ideas. Society has its own ideas of what marriage is, and what the value of marriage is, and uh, what constitutes a marriage, and what constitutes uh, a reason for divorce. In a recent survey with uh, 4,000 random responders, they were interviewed about marriage. A third of them had uh, uh, experienced divorce, And 18% of them had been divorced more than once. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty sad thing, but, uh, but the divorce rate is uh, uh, 45 or so percent right now. The divorce rate has been going down since 2012. Did you know that? And uh, before you get too excited, so has the marriage rate. Been going down because people are not getting married anymore. They're cohabiting and uh, doing uh, other things. So, uh, uh, but you would think, well, that's not uh, that that's that's pretty bad for the world. But at least Christians are not that way. But it's not so. Christians are uh, evangelical Christians, professing Christians have just about the same statistics as the world has. And uh, according to the Pew Research Center, among all religious groups, evangelical Protestants have the highest divorce rate. Someone is not teaching what the Bible says about marriage and divorce. Or... If they are, someone is not listening. Almost half of professing evangelicals believe that divorce is okay if you're not happy, because happiness is what it's all about. Isn't it. That's what God wants. He wants us to be happy but it's not true. That's not what God wants and that's not God's reason for marriage for us to be happy and it is wonderful to be happy. God's design for us is to be holy and God's design for marriage is for it to reflect the relationship between Christ and his church. It's supposed to be a testimony to the world. Just as we talk about baptism being a picture of our identifying ourselves with Christ and, uh, and uh, visibly before the world a testimony that we are buried with him by baptism and raised with him to walk in newness of life. Baptism is a picture of something very important. With a spiritual uh, uh, a spiritual connotation. And also when we talk about the Lord's Supper. It's also something that is a visible sign. A visible symbol. It pictures our remembering the Lord's death. For us on the cross of Calvary. We remember Jesus until he comes. And so uh, this This thing of marriage is something that's ordained by God, and it is ordained by God as a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church, and it should be a testimony to the world, and so uh, we need to keep those things in mind. Now, I want to say this before I get very far into talking about divorce because it's such a, a, a common thing that people will think that I'm attacking them because they've had an, a, a divorce or a failed marriage in their history. But listen, I, I am not attacking anyone. There's some people who were divorced Uh, and maybe remarried even before they got saved. And then there are some who uh, uh, maybe were saved, but uh, were divorced through no fault of their own. Maybe it was the other person who uh, broke that uh, vow and broke that covenant. And then some marriages just fail. I've been in the ministry for 45 years or so, and uh, I have counseled with a lot of couples. And I have worked hard in some marriages to try to just keep them together, and they fell, they fell apart for all I could do. They, they fell apart. I've had uh, uh, all kinds of experiences. I've seen marriages fail, Pastors' marriages fail. I've seen church members' marriages fail. I've seen the world's marriages fail. There are failures in marriage. And it happens. It's never been God's will. We're going to find that out. God's never pleased with it. But can I say this to you? He's merciful. God will Forgive. He does forgive, and uh, so we need to understand what his view on this subject is, and, uh, and and then agree with him. That's that's the only way you can repent, right? When you say, "Well, God, <laughs> you're right, I'm wrong." I had a, a a couple come to the church that I was pastoring and. The pastor uh, had married. He he his wife died. He would pastored a church for thirty five years. His wife died, and he had always preached that, uh, you know, if you that you couldn't get remarried if you were divorced, you couldn't get remarried at all, and he'd always stood with that. And uh, so then after he his wife died, he married a divorcee. And so his church, I'm going to ask him to step down. And he came and uh, he and his wife came and I said, you know, I'm going to be preaching verse by verse through the Bible. And I will get to the subject of divorce and remarriage. And uh, uh, I want you to understand right now that I am not going to cut corners on what I believe the Bible teaches just because you're sitting here. And he, he accepted that. You know why? Because the only way you can be right with God is to believe what God said. And to agree with God. And confess that God's right and you're wrong. Can somebody... Amen. God's right... I'm wrong. Okay. So let's look into this uh, passage of Scripture, thinking biblically about marriage and divorce. Now, here, here's, the, uh, here, here's the background. Jesus has been in Galilee, right? He's been in Galilee. He's been up uh, uh, in the northern part above the... Uh, Sea of Galilee and he has uh, ministered in Galilee all this time and so now he has left Galilee and he has journeyed south and east and he is on the east side of the Jordan River. So they've come down from uh, uh, Galilee into Judea. Now they've not only changed locations uh, geographically, but they have changed locations as far as the tetriarchy is concerned, because in the Galilee area, Philip was the tetriarch, but down in uh, uh, Galilee, or excuse me, in Judea, Herod Antipas is the tetrarch. You say, well, what difference does that make? Well, it it makes a pretty big difference because remember Herod is that guy we read about just a couple of chapters ago who took John the Baptist and put him in prison and later beheaded him. And what was the issue? What was the issue with John the Baptist? You got it right, Jared. It's he had declared to Herod that it was not lawful for him to have his brother Philip's wife, and it made his wife angry. And so she was brooding and waiting for the opportunity and there was a drunken party Herod had at all of his leaders in and and they were having a party and his wife's daughter, Salome, Came in and danced so seductively before all these men that Herod said, "Ask anything you want, and I'll give it to you, even up to half of my kingdom." And her mother, she went and asked her mother, and she said, "Give me John Baptist's head on a platter." And and so. Herod did it. He didn't really want to, but he did it. And the issue was divorce, remarriage. Well, do you think the that uh, these Pharisees didn't know <laughs> what that was all about? He arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan, And the people resorted unto him again, and as he was wont, or as he was his custom, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him. Wonder how they came up with this question Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? tempting him. Remember what Matthew said? Matthew's, Matthew's version says, uh, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And you know why he, they ask it that way? It's because there were basically two schools of thought on this issue. There were two major, uh, uh Uh, rabbis who were teaching and uh, whose opinions were espoused uh, on this subject. One rabbi was a man by the name of Shammai Shammai, and his view uh, of this issue of divorce. and, And it all comes from Deuteronomy chapter 24, right? Deuteronomy chapter 24 Verses 1 through 4. It says, When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, now listen, because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement, and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and giveth it in her hand and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife after that she is defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now he says Moses says that if he marries her if a man marries her and she and he finds some uncleanness in her He can give her a bill of divorcement. Now, I don't know about you, but it kind of seems like to me that this is not after they've been married for 30 years. Right? Seems like that this is something that happens fairly soon. You know, he's found out that there's some uh, impurity about her, and he gives her a bill of divorcement, and she can go out and be another man's wife. well what is this impurity? What is this uh, uh, he finds uh, he finds some uncleanness in her. What is this? Well that's what the whole uh, thing with the rabbis hinged on the whole opinion of the rabbis Shemai says that it means fornication. It means adultery. If he finds that she has committed adultery, then he can send her out. And that's the only reason that he can send her out. And so he is the more conservative. But then there's another rabbi whose name was Hillel. And he taught that the uncleanness meant any reason why a wife would lose favor in her husband's eyes in other words if he didn't if he thought she had a bad temper or she is in a bad mood too often or if he if she burned the bread or if she any reason whatsoever if she displeased him then he could write her a bill of divorcement and send her out and uh, guess whose opinion was most prominent <laughs> and so the pharisees came to Jesus and they, they had him. It was This question was so deceitful and it was an entrapment. They wanted to entrap him. They wanted to get him in as much trouble as they possibly could. And so they asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And they thought, we've got him now. If Herod don't get him, the people will. We've got him. And you know, they were always laying these kind of traps for him. But Jesus never fell into him. He turns back to the scripture and he says, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus said in verse five, for the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept. In other words, divorce, just like remember back when they were, uh, when they were nullifying the commandments of God in chapter seven, remember that? And Jesus said their problem was their heart. Their problem was the heart. Verses 14 through 23. He says that evil is not something that comes from without. But it's something that comes from within. You're not defiled by what comes into the body. But what comes out of the body. Because out of the heart come the issues of life. If you're sinful, it's because your heart is sinful. If you're doing sin, it's because your heart is sinful. Have you ever heard people say, well, you know, I mean, you know, you you hear them cursing and using the name of the Lord in vain and doing all sorts of evil and wicked things. And you say, and you try to witness to them and tell them that you're a Christian. And they say, oh, well, you know, I'm a Christian too. I I don't, you know, sometimes I... I, uh, I don't live it, but God knows my heart. Well, yeah, he does. He does know your heart. Your heart's wicked. The sin didn't come from without to the end. It came from inside out. The reason you sin is because you're a sinner. The reason I sin, I keep saying you, but listen, when I'm pointing that way, I got these pointing back. We sin because we are sinners. Our heart is corrupt. It's wicked and divorce is the same way. Divorce comes from the heart. It's a heart problem. And even there are reasons for divorce. There are some scriptural reasons that people can get divorced. Uh, and well, let me just read in First Corinthians. I'm not getting very far very quickly, but First Corinthians chapter seven. Now, I brought my ESV up here to use, but I'm not going to take the time to find these verses in the ESV. But Paul writes about this thing of marriage, and uh, and he and he makes it pretty clear. But he says that. Uh, that there is this thing, like if uh, if you're a saved person and you're uh, you're married to a a, a man, and uh, and you get saved and he's not saved, and he still loves you and he's willing to stay with you, then uh, you are not to put that saved man, I mean that lost man away. Likewise, if you're a man and you're married to a woman and you come to faith in Christ and she's still lost, you don't put her away. If she's pleased to stay, then you keep her. And if he's pleased to stay, you keep him. But if they say, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to church, I'm not going to serve the Lord, the, uh, nah, I'm out of here. Then Paul says that a brother and sister or sister is not in bondage in such cases. If the unbelieving depart, he says, let them depart. Are you understanding? It's, and you can read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Read it, get you a good ESV Bible, read it closely and uh, run references and do uh, definitions and things like that. And then Jesus has said that there is the possibility that if a person, if your uh, spouse commits adultery, then that breaks that marriage relationship. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know whether that gives a right for remarriage or not. I don't know. But I do know that Jesus said that that breaks that marriage relationship. But he does not, now get this, he does not command that you get a divorce. Just because one party or the other has committed adultery, he does not command that you get a divorce. You can, but he doesn't command it. You can also reconcile, <laughs> right? And this thing, if, a, uh, if it comes to the point where a couple has to separate, and sometimes that happens. There are times when it is dangerous for a woman to stay in the house with her husband. But if she has to separate. She does not have the right to go and remarry. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And uh, and, and the door is open. If things change for her to reconcile with her husband. But she doesn't have the right for remarry. So, that's divorce, and there, I, I can't cover every single nuance and every single issue, but what I do want to do is to talk about marriage and what marriage is. Now, in our, uh, in our statement of faith or our uh, confession of faith, we have... A statement about what we believe about marriage and it says marriage is to be between one man and one woman So we just we just blew CNN apart right there didn't we just we messed CNN up bad right there marriage is to be between one man and one woman neither is it lawful for any man to have more than one wife nor any woman to have more than one husband at the same time. Marriage was ordained for the mutual help of the husband and wife, for the increase of mankind with a legitimate issue, and for preventing uncleanness. It's lawful for all sorts of people to marry who are able and with judgment give their consent, yet it is the duty of Christians to marry in the Lord. So if you're a child of God and you're unmarried, it's not right for you to marry someone who is unsaved. So it's uh, the duty of Christians to marry in the Lord. Therefore, such as profess the true religion, should not marry with infidels or idolaters. Neither should such as are ungodly be unequally such as are godly, be unequally yoked by marrying with such as are wicked in their life or maintain damnable heresy. Marriage ought not to be within the degrees of consanguinity or affinity. In other words, you can't marry somebody that's kin to you. And uh, so you can read that. That's the statement of the uh, Confession of faith, but here we find that when Jesus answers this question, he, as we said, goes back to the Bible in uh, uh, or to the law, and in Matthew, he kind of uh, he kind of belittles the Pharisees a little bit. Have you not read this? He says, Have you not read? That he which made them in the beginning made them. Now here's our here is our uh, uh, elementary school lesson. <laughs> Male is that singular or plural? Female is that. Singular or plural. He made one man and one woman. And he made of those two one flesh. He put them together and he said, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. And the two shall be... One flesh. What God has joined together, don't let man cut it apart. So here's what I got to say marriage was established by the Maker. Marriage was established by the maker. It is not, as some uh, in our uh, modern society think, a social construct. It's not something that communities came up with, society came up with. All the way back to the beginning, before there were any but one man and one woman, God established marriage. He made a declaration in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18. And here's the declaration. It's not good that the man should be alone. And he said, I will make a help meet for him. Go back and read it yourself. And listen, help and meet it's two different words. It's not a compound word. It's not help me. You understand what I'm saying? Help meet for him. A help that is suitable for him. And he... Then the Bible says that he created all the animals out of the dust of the ground... And he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them and he gave names to all the animals but there was not found a mate meat for him or a help meat for him or a help that was suitable for him because there's something lacking in Adam that he needs to complete him. And that is the woman. And so God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he took a rib from Adam. And from the rib, he made the woman. And he brought the woman to Adam. And he gave her, he presented her to Adam. And Adam said, Wow, <laughs> this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Mm-hmm. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother. Well, and Adam didn't have a father and mother. See, God had this thing laid out. It was a design that He made from the very beginning that that woman would be Adam's woman, one man, one woman, one lifetime. Hello, y'all still out there. One man, one woman. One lifetime. It's established by the Maker. But we got to think about this too. It's entered by matrimony. <laughs> now, when he said, A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. That is matrimony. That is a declaration that says, I am leaving my my parents' home and I am taking to myself this woman and we are going to establish our own home. It is a public declaration. It is not a, uh, a, a shacking up But it is a public declaration in obedience to God in the sight of God, and it is a covenant where two that were two before become one flesh. And cleaving, I looked it up in the New Testament. I don't know what it is in the uh, Hebrew, but the Greek word that's translated in Matthew chapter, or in Luke chapter 10, cleaving. Is the word that means to be glued to, to be adhered to. In other words, inseparably. So, marriage was established by the Maker, it's entered into by matrimony. Uh, this uh, God has never approved unmarried cohabitation, he don't wink at it, he don't giggle about it, he doesn't think it's funny, he doesn't say, well, it's okay, or they just don't know any better, he doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number four is this, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers will God judge. He will. And marriage ends at the mortuary. You get it? It's established by the maker. It's entered by matrimony. And it ends at the mortuary. And if We put away our wives or our husbands for any reason other than those reasons that have been enumerated. Jesus said you're committing adultery. Well, what do I do? Do you think when he was hanging on the cross, dying for our sins, that he omitted that one? No, he didn't. Run to Jesus. If you're listening by way uh, online or on the streaming uh, videos, then I know that some people out there are wrestling with this issue. If you've done it, if it's happened, if it's part of your history, run to Jesus. He can erase the past. And give you a brand new slate. You can mm-hmm. start all over. Mm-hmm. Round to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Please take these scattered thoughts. And help our people, Lord, to to make to make them a, a standard. To make an, make an Ebenezer. And say up to here, we've come. And we're going to stand. And uh, the Lord's helped us. This far, and we're not backing up. In Jesus' name.